Thanks for joining us for Season 8 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy. And thanks for that kind introduction, Jimmy. And to all those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. And together, we are the personalities behind Branded Strategic Hospitality. We work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. And I got to tell you, Jimmy, I am exhausted. We just got back from FS Tech in Dallas, Texas. It was the biggest, the biggest show FS Tech has ever thrown over 800. Hundred million operators were I think, at the show. I, I think I think you might have added a word in there by mistake. I think it was eight hundred operators. Oh, I thought it was eight hundred million. Are you sure? Oh, you're hey, listen. You're finance guy. I'm not finance, argue. Leave the numbers to me, uh, Jimmy. I saw a lot of people, and I was counting. I'm telling you, I saw eight hundred million. But all I know, it was a crazy show. It was busy. Everyone was happy to be out. A lot of operators, a lot of tech, a lot of interesting stuff. And Jimmy, now we're in Indy. It just doesn't stop. We're at Fast Casual Summit in Indy. I love Indy. Actually, I don't love Indy that much because the last time I was in Indy, Jimmy, the Jets lost to the Colts in the playoffs. That was a long time ago, but yeah. I'm a Jet fan, and, you know, it was a playoff game. But that was the last time. We were yeah, together, by the distracted. way. I was there. I was with you, Jets. You were there. Actually, you <laughs> yeah. got me White Castle burgers late yes. night. Thank you, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. anyway, great to be here. stadium. Great stadium. I, I got to tell you, and, and, Jimmy, it is so great to be here, and we are so fortunate – to have season eight, we've had a lot of great guests, but today we have a very special guest. Let's take it away, Jimmy, because it's a great episode. Yes, we're gonna have a good time today. Actually, we got we got a, at least a double threat here because not only do we have a restaurant guy, a real hospitality guy, we also we also got a guy that's embracing tech with the kind of conviction uh, that we are and uh, blazing trails. All right, we are very excited. Our guest today is our friend, Mr. Jeff Chandler, CEO and president of Hop Dotty Burger and High Bar Hospitality Group. By the way, one of the best names of any restaurant group uh, that I think we've ever dealt with, Hot Daddy and the High Bar. I love it. Jeff, welcome Hop, to the Hop podcast. Dottie, Hop Dottie. Hop Dottie? Hop Dottie. Hop Dottie. Yeah, I thought you said Hop Daddy. Daddy. No, no, we, we had Big Daddy, and he's Hop Dottie. By the way, Big Daddy's not open right now, so that's a check in Jeff's box. Check Hop Dottie, and uh, right now, not to check in Big Daddy. We'll work on that. Anyway, let's get Jeff into the podcast before he like yells at his uh, his, his his media team and his and his marketing team. Both like, for both of you, he's like never Why again, never again. I'm the weeds guys. All right, Jeff, we appreciate you being here. Thanks for our little ba- letting us uh, have our little banner. Um, so please give a little inter- introduction to yourself, and of course, uh, the elevator pitch on Hop Dottie and High Bar. Yeah. Hey, look, great guys to be here. Uh, appreciate it. And look, quite that's frankly, I don't care what you call us as long as you call us the best burger place you've ever been to. Best uh, burger place aspire. I've ever been to. Best burger place I've ever been to. That's what we aspire to do. Hop Dottie plays in the better burger space. We look to be disruptive and really rethinking, reshaping kind of what a better burger joint looks like, acts like, and what that experience is. Uh, based out of Austin, Texas, we currently have 50 locations really from coast to coast based out of Austin, Texas. That's awesome. You know, listen, I, I am so excited to have you here. You know, we got a chance to uh, to break bread together uh, in New York City a few months back uh, with some friends at a great uh, a great Korean uh, barbecue place, if I remember. The place was great. Uh, yeah, we had a great time there. But, you know, listen, before we take a deeper dive, let's let's really talk a little bit about Jeff Chandler. 
And I mean, you you were a restaurant guy, much like myself. Jimmy was a bartender. I was a bartender, got into restaurants. Can you share a little bit for our listeners before we take a deep dive into everything else going on? Because there's a lot. How'd you get into hospitality? Jeff, Jeff, this is Shatsy's Fraser Crane moment. I want you, he wants you to know he's listening. Yeah. And there's no charge for the first 30 minutes. And if Shatsy's you like what listening. you hear, if you like what you hear, then the bill comes. There you go. <laughs> Look, I, I grew up in the business. My dad uh, was a tavern owner. And growing up, if I wanted to spend time with my dad, that meant kind of sometimes early mornings and weekends hanging out at the tavern. Uh, picking quarters out of booth seats and cleaning the grill and cleaning Where's beer lines at, and emptying pool tables. We were in Tacoma, Washington, up in the corner of the U.S. And yep. uh, so I grew up in the business and I fell in That's love with awesome. it at an early age. And uh, after graduating from college, I thought I needed to go work on Wall Street for a while. And that lasted all but six months. And quite frankly, I missed the people side of the business. And so after that, I, I went back and, and dove into the business, worked with my father in the tavern business and and ultimately helped him elevate that and translate kind of the, what the pub business was. And we, we elevated up into uh, craft brewing and got into craft brewing back in the, the early 90s. I love it. And I love that the uh, hospitality uh, uh, industry is in your blood. And by the way, yeah, I love that he went into banking and he's like, this is terrible. I got to yeah. get back into hospitality. I like it. Like, Jimmy, if I does that sound dad, familiar, Jimmy? I want to hang with my dad. I got to go hang at the bar. I got sound I, familiar, Jimbo. Jimbo, finance guy. I, yeah. I, I left the bartending business. Uh, you know, had a short stint of thirty years on Wall Street, and I'm back, baby. I'm here. Here I am. Uh, <laughs> like the Godfather, man. They, they, they took you back, or whatever that line is. Took you back. It gets right, in listen, your blood. I want to start off uh, a little bit with a, like a classic uh, hospitality joke. You know, a guy walks into a bar, and ouch, he walked, you know, walked into a bar in the spirit. Of that pathetic joke, I want to continue his theme, at least as it comes to branded. I like to say that a finance guy and a restaurant guy walked into a bar and – but let's stick with I love that Hop Dotties, the origin story is a guy, a Chuck, and two Larrys walk into a bar. Jeff, can you share how these four friends set out to create the new standard for the Better Burger Bar and what makes Hop Dotty different? Yeah, look, these guys, these four entrepreneurials, um, amazing, amazing guys. Uh, there's two kind of uh, paternal, I will call them, uh, founders, Chuck, or excuse me, Guy and Larry. You know, these guys are the same guys that brought Z Tejas to life back in the days. They created Eddie V's. Uh, they're really behind some of the best restaurants in Austin, Texas today. And they met Chuck and Larry Perdido while they were at Z Tejas. And they intentionally set out to create uh, something different, something disruptive. And, and I'll really give Larry Foles a lot of credit. Larry is a remarkable restaurateur. He is uh, extraordinarily creative. Um, he is disruptive in just the way he thinks. And they set out to really kind of reshape what a burger was and how it was prepared. And they found a place on South Congress and they threw some stuff at it. And the first three months, they changed everything about it. I mean, their original idea was turned upside down just through trial and error before it really, really stuck. And uh, these guys are still, you know, uh, great restaurateurs today. Uh, they're still creating restaurants, all four of them, and they still remain good friends. And the common bond really between all of them today is Hopdotty. So what makes Hopdotty different? I think it's that we, we really are open-minded to what a burger is. Most people just think it's a, 
you know, it's a, a bun and meat and some toppings. And, and we look at it as a vessel for flavors. Anything that we can grind, grill, we're, we're going to make a burger out of it. And so we've done some pretty cool creative things with different proteins. Uh, we have butcher shops in our restaurants where we, we grind our own proteins. And so it really affords us the ability to rethink what a burger is. And, and, and we have fun with it. And I think that uh, as our loyal raving fans will attest to, uh, they never know what's going to come next in terms of our burger of the month or what we just <laughs> might you know, grind up and put in a burger. I love it. I mean, I got to tell you, I think the key there is you're having fun and that's hospitality and that's what it's all about and having a good time. You guys are, you guys are crushing it. So you're doing something right. Hey, listen, changing gears a little bit. I mean, this is, we started this podcast, literally, literally our first episode was right at the beginning of the uh, the pandemic. I mean, we had to change our script, change our guests, change our whole theme because the pandemic hit and all the restaurants were basically shut down. And, uh, and obviously off-premise, though it was a big part of a lot of people's business, it wasn't uh, what we all, uh, what, what came to be. Um, so now we're out of the pandemic and, and off-premise was growing, but now it's, it, it's, it's really a big part of the business. It's not changing and it's continuing to grow. Um, can you share what you guys over at Hop Dottie and, and High Bar Hospitality are doing to, uh, to account for the continued um, spike and love for off-premise dining, and some tips and recommendations for some operators out there who still might be struggling with uh, yeah. with the reality that off-premise is here to stay. It's not going away. Yeah, that's right, Shotzi. I mean, look, like you and many others out there, we all had to pivot, and we all had to figure out, you know, A, first, how to survive, and then secondarily, at least in our case, it's like, okay, well, we're surviving. Now, how do we thrive, and how do we really yeah. use this as our... Uh, as our slingshot moment to get ahead of the pack. And that's how we thought about it. I mean, when, when the pandemic first came down, you know, we started closing restaurants and we really thought, okay, let's take a look at what, where, where we sell a lot of third-party delivery. Cause we thought our business would have to be based off third-party delivery only. And so we shut actually half of our restaurants down. Uh, the one that didn't have really big penetration in third-party delivery. And what we learned is that the restaurants that we kept open we saw this huge, massive spike in takeout, right? Our, our, through our own yes. channels, it wasn't third-party delivery, and it kind of caught us off guard. We, we weren't prepared for that. And so slowly over time, we learned that, you know, we learned how to further increase uh, sales through our own channels, whether it was curbside pickup or to-go, and then and third-party. And so uh, made a lot of mistakes along the way, but, you know, we really empowered our general managers back then. It's like, gosh, let us know how we can help you, but we're all in this together. And we kind of gave them carte blanche authority to change it, change it on the spot. If something's working better, whether it's packaging, staging, how you ran curbside, how you communicated with the guests, like go for it. Right. And then report back to us on how it's going. And I think back at the time we had maybe 20 restaurants open. And so we learned a lot through that. And, and I can share some of the things that we learned, but it, what we saw quickly is that we could be profitable we could take care of the guests in a meaningful, unique way that they really appreciated. And at, you know, it, all at the same time, taking care of our team members. I mean, that was a big focus for us way back when is, you know, how do we get more of our team members back to work? We had furloughed half our company. How do we get them back in working? And, and so between getting them back to work and serving the guests in a meaningful way, 
you know, we engineered how to how to do that. And it led us to opening and back up all of our restaurants. And, you know, pre-pandemic, we were maybe 12% of our business was off-premise. Wait so, for it. Wait for it. Wait for it, Jimmy. So Go today, ahead. today, yes. yeah. that, number, that number is over 40% of Boom. our business. So, you see that? Oh, you see that? See what happened there? Is that breaking it's news, Jeff? Can I report that? Is that breaking news? <laughs> that is breaking news. And that is oh, you it just went, made Chatty's day. Made we're just day. glad we're just glad that it's down from a hundred percent, right? Because back in the day, <laughs> you know, Hop Dotty is a pretty experiential brand, right? Mm-hmm. We have we have full bars in our restaurants. Um, you know, we are a fast casual you're, you're a tavern guy, man. How could you not have a bar? Uh, absolutely. And uh, we sell a ton of craft beer and a ton of margaritas, and so you know, we think Hop Dottie still to this day is best enjoyed in person, right? To let that hospitality kick in, to enjoy a, a cold margarita or a cold draft beer, you know, with your burger when it's prepared fresh, you know, our fresh cut fries right there. It's, it's always better on premise, but people and the public and our guests demanded, you know, they wanted the convenience or the safety back then of having it, you know, curbside uh, in, in, a, in a way that was still a great experience. And today, I think it's it's Disney Plus, Netflix, and Hulu, man, on an eighty-five inch uh, Samsung TV, baby, <laughs> and a hot dotty burger, and a hot dotty burger, and a you craft know, beer out of my I, fridge. I, first of all, as you were speaking, Chatsy, tell me, can, could I patent this? Could I could I trademark the following phrase? Necessity, yes. necessity is the mother of all innovation. Yes, you can. I don't and think I, I can. I, think our, I, I spoke think, to our attorneys I just I now. That's out there. I think it's oh. out there, but I love Jeff that you shared that, you know, when the pandemic hit, you had to pivot, you had to adjust. Um, and what, one of the things I love about the industry is how fast we understand that we do need to make that happen. Um, I also love that that you recognize that while people think of off-prem and they naturally default to delivery, you guys found and branded really has, has agrees and we positioned our off-premise um, investment th- vertical the importance of pickup and a very good pickup takeaway offering is critical. And you get now your guests, while they're taking the food away from your store, they still get to taste that experience by walking in, feeling the tavern, getting that beer, getting that drink, picking up their food, and they feel a connection. And look, a little company that you know most of our listeners haven't heard of, this little company named Domino's, they also decided that pickup is pretty good for them because solving last mile is a challenge. So they yeah. get, they gave their uh, their guests the $3 off, come pick up your own pizza. So again, I think the pickup trend is here to stay. But listen, no, you're sometimes right. Chats look, our, our, trade off. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, I was going to say, look, our, our concept was really initially baked and thrived in this quality, uniqueness, and variety. Like those were our brand pillars that differentiated us from the plethora of better burger players out there. We learned during the, during the pandemic that consumers, guests, our guests demanded more convenience. Okay. Yep. We're fast casual, but we're, we're not necessarily pre-pandemic. We weren't necessarily fast. Um, we had polished casual or, you know, fine casual quality food in a, in a, in a fast casual environment. And so, you know, the guests dictated that it was more convenient. And so we had to learn how to be more convenient for our guests. And, and that's still a process that goes on today. We're not perfect by any stretch, but But how do you experience our burger shake and fries or a margarita at home, right, in front of your big screen watching Hulu and Netflix and whatever? Um, How do you do that with the same quality experience that's craveable? Um, Last time I checked, 
burgers and fries and shakes really don't travel that well, right? It's not like Chinese food or pizza or some other food. It, it travels horribly. And so, you know, how do we engineer it for two things? One, to make the quality better 30 minutes later. Like we, we think about that. We obsess over that today. And secondarily, how do we give the optics that it's still a really cool, fun experience? My, yep. my team, my team will laugh at me when I say, you know, I want the adult happy meal, right? I want when, <laughs> when, when we get our food delivered and, and you're opening it up 30 minutes later, I want you to be excited like you were when you were a kid to get that happy meal packaging, everything included, maybe a little prize, you know, yeah. and they laughed, but I we, love we have to think in that, in that mindset today. Yeah, by the way, we keep talking about Hulu and Netflix. Shatsy uh, and his wife call that babysitters for his kids. That's the babysitter. <laughs> he, turns, he turns on Hulu as a kid to entertain yourself. Listen, um, Shatsy and I sometimes play off one another, you know, good cop, bad cop. So Shatsy's, you know, talking about the light at the end of the tunnel and, and coming out of COVID and the pent-up demand. And and again, I'm, I'm in that camp. So I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I don't want to start barricading up that tunnel that, that Shatsy was describing. But we do have another headwind coming. And, and you know, we're straight shooters. We got to say, we got to call the good, the bad and the otherwise. But we think the industry, certainly there's a threat of a, um, of a recession and a looming recession. Um, can you share any thoughts and, and maybe even advice uh, for operators on how once again to adapt to the fast changing economic landscape? Yeah, Jimmy, you're absolutely right. I think we're already there. I think we're already. The pandemic wasn't hard enough, right, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. Bring it on. One of the things that the pandemic taught us and one of the things we really embraced during that was this notion of resilience, resiliency, and how do we teach, coach, encourage, support, nurture resiliency in our team members. And, and that was a big pivot for us, right? I talked about empowering our general managers to make decisions on the spot and how we can help them. We're still that way today, but we have focused on resiliency. And I think that is so important today as, you know, whether it was the pandemic, uh, whether it was the protests and the riots, whether it was the great resignation that our industry faced over the past uh, year, um, and now going into a recession uh, with rapid inflation and cost pressures, we just focus on being resilient and telling and teaching and training our people to be resilient. There's a lot of uh, things that we do to support that, you know, in and around mental health, you know, that has become a much bigger issue today. And we recognize that and we want our people to be in really great positions so they can tackle what's next and what's around the corner. And we kind of take an attitude like, bring it on. We're, we're ready. This is this is like for us uh, racing in the rain. Others might, you know, veer off course and crash because the road's wet. You know, we we think we've gained a proficiency and a skill set and a passion for racing in the rain. So so bring it on. You know, um, it I, is I love it. And yeah, operators, we are scrappy. Uh, the pandemic proved one thing. Restaurant folks are scrappy. We know how to get it done, man. <laughs> Listen, great segue into uh, changing gears a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, traveling as much as we do, uh, you know, I recognize that if I ask someone on an airplane uh, how much you're paying for that seat, Every single person will be paying something different based on probably when they book their flight. If you're going to a hotel room and I'm sitting at a bar or going to a hotel and I'm sitting at a bar and I ask everybody what they paid, I'll bet you everyone is paying a different price. Some people wanted a view of the ocean. Some people want a view. Uh, they don't want the ocean. They want a low floor looking out into a, 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 an alleyway, whatever it is. Point I'm getting at is uh, pricing, dynamic pricing. Uh, I know when it's uh, here in the city, when it um, when it rains or snows and you try and get a car service like an Uber or Lyft, 
the prices change accordingly. So dynamic pricing is something that we've seen in many industries for a long time. Uh, the big question to you is, uh, and customers have adapted. They, they've, they've adapted to it. They've recognized that dynamic pricing is there. I pay different. Everyone pays different based on uh, times of year, et cetera. Question to you is, do you think when it comes to restaurants, will dynamic pricing have a seat at the table? Pun intended. Will someone pay a different price based on time of day, based on if it's snowing out, or, or will they want a better table on Saturday? What do you think? Yeah, Shotzi, I'm very intrigued by this question. It's something that we've talked about for a long time. I think it's, it's fascinating. To your point, it, it's prevalent in other industries. Um, gosh, being a being a kind of a capitalist and looking at, you know, uh, a free market and how people pivot and adjust and how the market demands shift. I think, you know, I, quite frankly, I support it. I like that notion. I don't want Hopdotty to be the first company that charts that path. We're going to be good to jump on as it becomes popularized. I think that, you know, the old notion of once you take price, you never come down. I mean, that that's the adage I've grown up with my entire career, 30 years, right? It's you never take prices down. Tell me one company that is su successful at taking their price down. I mean, we ask that question all the time. Can we grow traffic by 30% if we take price down 10%? Um, I don't know. I, uh, uh, I think it'll happen. I think it's inevitable it will happen. I think we're starting to see it in little pockets already. I know we see it on third-party delivery platforms and, and that mm -hmm. type of thing. So I'm open to it. Um, yeah, but I you think know what's interesting, Jeff, as a tavern guy, as a tavern guy, and Jimmy and I as bar guys, originally bar guys, it seems like we've kind of dabbled in dynamic pricing in restaurants over the years, but it was kind of like it was always happy hour. What's happy hour? Happy hour is a dynamic price. What is it? It's down. It's it's mm -hmm. it's half price from four to seven. You know, we don't have a lot of customers. Let's make it dynamic. We'll bring the price down to try and get some people in. Mm -hmm. So we've mm -hmm. had it. It wasn't really a very um, uh, it wasn't a, a well thought about plan because it was just everything is half price from four to seven mm -hmm. every day or just Monday through Friday. So we've kind of had a little bit. But it, like you just said, it was down. It wasn't. Well, if I'm really busy on Saturday, maybe that beer should be $8. And Monday, I'm not so busy. Maybe it should just be $5. Right. You know, Jeff, first I want to say that Shatz and I were both bartenders. Um, he was by far the more popular bartender. Well, but I, I want to be very clear. Dynamic pricing yeah. it was, Jimmy. Yeah, he had the Zero. best dynamic pricing. He <laughs> couldn't figure out how to, how to, how to uh, serve customers, serve guests, and run the register. So he basically would just give you your drinks and he'd say, ah, but you, 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 we'll figure it out later. Get me later. Get me later. Get me later. So he was very, I, I, I want to order from Shatzi, not from Jimmy. Um, but anyway, I, I will simply say on the dynamic pricing issue, um, I think it's going to be a really interesting journey. I think the relationship that this industry has with its customers is truly unique and special. So much so we don't call them customers. We call them guests. And I think, we're going to have to find the roadmap forward to, to do it in a high integrity, communicative, transparent manner. Mm -hmm. I think our guests will value, um, they'll accept us doing these things if they understand it and it's clear and, and they don't feel we're trying to, you know, pull right. one over on them. That, that is a theme that I'm going to put forward. We have to, and we're going to figure it out because yeah. a lot of folks we're working with Jeff on the tech side are trying to figure out how to do that for the benefit of operators. And the operators are saying it, but it's got to be done transparently and it's got to have integrity. Uh, I agree. I agree hundred percent. And I would love to see it start out with 
through third-party delivery platforms. You know, yep. I think that would be the logical place. I mean, I know that's what throws the wrench in our spoke when we're, we're, we're cruising really great on a Friday night and all of a sudden we get hit with, you know, we, we call it bun count. Our bun count will go from 30 to 180, you know, within minutes if that third-party delivery platform's activated. Well, I like that you know, supply count. and demand. I think if we could moderate that on third-party yep. delivery, that would be a great place for our industry to start. And then, like you know, uh, we could look at doing it on-premise as well. But I like it from a third-party delivery. I like it from a, you know, everything off-premise. I like the notion of dynamic pricing. Um, on-premise, you know, I think be open-minded, but I think we'd have to see how it works off-premise first. Really cool. No, I, I think it's a hot topic. Here's another hot topic. Um, first of all, I write uh, branded. The team writes a week uh, a weekend uh, newsletter. Um, it's a short little email that takes about you know 45 minutes to an hour to read. Now, I'm I'm, I'm somewhat joking. Um, this weekend, uh, we wrote about um, really about robotics and automation um, and the move into that segment. And we actually titled the piece "The Robots Are Coming." Um, and I want to let Mr. Arnold Schwarzenegger know that 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 cease and desist letter was unnecessary. Okay, um, I, I borrowed a picture from from Google, and and you know I don't think you had to get mad about it, Mr. Schwarzenegger. But um, while we do believe that RAS, uh, R A A S, robots as a service, is going to be a next big thing for this industry, um, you know. I guess I want to highlight that we, we still feel that there's a yearning for, let's call it human hospitality. And I know that's something that's really important to you and, and your company, the experiential side, the human side. So, Jeff, my question is, what does human hospitality look like, you know, for, for you and, and currently um, and in a world where we're going to be blending and mixing human hospitality with robotic hospitality? How do you see that playing out? Yeah, look, I think this is a this is a really fun topic to talk about because I think innovation is happening very, very rapidly. And every concept, every brand has to understand, you know, what does human hospitality look like for them? Where are those magical touch points that only humans can deliver upon that are going to make that experience unique and memorable? And, and it has to be in alignment with your brand. And obviously, your concept has to be able to pull that off. You're right. We talk all the time about reducing our dependency on human labor. That's just a... I think that's just an evolutionary necessity for us as the labor market is tight. Uh, it's, it's volatile. Uh, you know, we've seen through the great resignation, you know, that it's hard to find great quality team members that'll work in that whole financial uh, equation of it. So I just think it's up to every brand. How we look at it is, you know, we know that there's five critical key touch points in the guest experience and we want humans at the center of that. Everything else if it can improve quality, it can improve consistency. If if it can uh, improve the efficiency of how we do it, we are completely open minded to what that looks like. You know, and in our space, like in the burger space, until Flippy gets perfected, you know, we're still going to have people, you know, cooking burgers to order. So I'm excited to see that evolutionary path and how it unfolds. I think we're going to be very open minded. As long as we can remain those five, in our world, five critical touch points of human hospitality in our brand. That's awesome. I'm, no, still, that's I'm still excited about bun count. <laughs> bun count. We can manage bun that? count aggressively. Yeah, can I steal that? Do I have to footnote you? Give, a, yeah, give Jeff a shout out when you use the bun count. Bun. Okay. By the way, Jeff, Chat's not kidding. He's doing bunk. He'll be talking bunk count for the next like forty-eight <laughs> hours. Then he'll get then well, he'll get we, distracted and move on to something else. It, it's um, actually buns in the bucket, right? And so we we slice our buns to order. They're fresh baked buns. Uh, we slice them uh, right before we 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 toast them, 
And so, you know, anytime if you look down in the, the, the person doing the bun toasting, will actually look up at the screen to see how many burgers we've got ordered and they will put all these buns in the bucket. So that's our bun. Buns in a bucket. I like it. Someone, someone's getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's someone's me. Listen, um, Shatz and I started this podcast because we very much enjoy bringing industry leaders and, and we like talking. Um, uh, but we learned along the way um, that sometimes our guests uh, have a question or two for us. So we, we, let's kick off talking back. Uh, we invite our guests uh, to ask us uh, a question. Uh, and Jeff, as Shatz and I like to say, nothing is off the table. Yeah, look, I'm curious to see. You guys talk to a lot of interesting people. You see a lot of interesting things. I think the way that you look at things are very interesting. What, in your opinion, is the most interesting, positive dynamic that you see in our industry today you know, from talking with people? Who's, who's doing Good. something truly disruptive and innovative? Good. That's, by the way, that's one of my favorite questions because that really, I get to say, Shatsy, our restaurant guy, who do you think is doing the, the interesting stuff? Well, I think, you know, are you... T- and I mean, then I'll give an answer the- after you and it'll be better, but that's besides yeah, the point. No, I think, I, I think what, what comes to mind right now was just that we were just talking about, and it wasn't on the restaurant concept side as much as it was on the robotic side. And I just think you brought up Flippy. And I think when I think about what those guys over, what Buck Jordan and the team at Wavemaker are doing with the Chippy and the Flippy, and I think there's one for a fry. I don't know what that one is. But there's a fry thing. And I think that they are, I mean, those guys are doing some really innovative stuff. And I think that uh, it's just, as you said, it's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just, it's just so early in this phase of robotics. And we've seen it in so many other industries. Uh, I always like to bring up that I don't believe outside of maybe a Maserati, cars are built by hand anymore. I mean, there's robots building those. And I mean, way back when, I mean, computers and things like that, you know, someone was putting that stuff together by hand. I mean, there's nobody doing any of that stuff. It's all automated today. So I think it's it's coming. So I, I just that's what first came to my mind was those guys are just doing some really innovative things. And I think it's it's changing the landscape and the industry for the better because it's really solving problems. I think redeploying uh, human capital into areas that are more uh uh, that that will help increase sales and drive business and, and sales is better. So just flipping a burger is really not helping Hopdotty as much as if that same person could be engaging with customers and really making it a better experience. So I, I, that's that's what I think about right off the top of my head. Jimmy will much in yeah. un, will have a much better answer, but that was mine. Yeah, careful, Shatz. You could piss off Jeff's partner Larry and his brother Larry. You could you could you could make them uh you could make those guys upset. No, I'm not I, uh... gonna be right for everybody <laughs> right now, but it, it's it's common. I like it. Listen, actually, Jeff, I think it's a really good question. And and the way I, I would answer it is the following. There are two things that I'm, I'm macro to micro enjoying tremendously in this environment right now. One, I'm really loving emerging brands. I'm loving emerging restaurant groups. Um, I, I love the differentiation. I love how they're approaching it. And we're having a lot of fun. And one of the reasons we enjoy them, not just what they're doing for their, their guests in the industry, but they're not so set in their ways. They're open to new tech ideas and innovative ideas. And they're, they're, if you've got thousands of stores, changing one thing in your tech stack is a monumental undertaking. Um, and, it, and it limits you. But if you're an emerging brand and we work with many, we love that we get to almost create a bespoke and create a tech stack that, that really is going to deliver value. So that's a lot of fun. Love the emerging brands. And on the tech side, I guess I'd just say, again, macro to micro, 
there's an awareness that we've been antiquated. We've got to we've got to embrace it. And I think um, to automate with respect to automation and robotics, I think we can maybe get a lot of the chores outside away from the humans and get those to automation and let the human capital be far more about guest ambassadorship and success oriented, enjoyment oriented, and really create the better experience for our guests. And there's a lot of tech that can blend very well with the human capital. And that's something that I'm really excited to see. You know, our first investment was in a self-pouring beverage solution. Solution. We saved on labor, we saved on on, on giveaways and saved Lost, on theft. Right, yep. But what was amazing for this, and I'm not going to call it simple, but talk about low-hanging automation. Let the guests serve themselves the beverage of their choice, alcohol, non-alcohol, wines, you name it. They thanked us for giving them a unique experience of serving themselves, of hanging out by the beer wall or the wine wall or the drink wall um, and mixing and chatting with customers and other guests about what they like, trying things. So we saved money, we made more money, and the guests thanked us for implementing automation that created a new experience. I thought that was really fun. Those are some of the cool things that we're seeing. I know, Shat, that answer was too long. No, 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 it wasn't too long. It was just, as usual, it was better. It was a better answer. And I'm so mad, I want to redo it. Now, all kidding aside, (laughs) listen, I got to tell you. It, it, it's great stuff. We got to move on to a new segment because I got to tell you something. I'm feeling a little. I'm feeling a little family feud right now, Jimbo. And we Shaz, always got the new segment. We did the food service feud in Dallas, and it was a huge hit. A huge hit. So we are bringing in the food service feud into the podcast each week. You know, we go on to LinkedIn and we throw out some great questions to operators. Uh, so. We asked 100 real people on LinkedIn, real people. Maybe it was more than 100. Maybe it was 10 million. No bots. No bots. 10 million people on LinkedIn, okay? We asked them, okay, are you ready? Jeff, are you ready? I'm ready. What is the top domestic airline? Delta Airlines. Jimbo, let me hear from you. He, he didn't He didn't ding. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't no, buzz. No, no, he didn't buzz. Oh, you guys, you guys oh I didn't know. Jeff buzz. That's right. I was stalling to let Jeff go first, but but now I'm mad at myself because he gave the answer I would have given, um, particularly since we we fly Delta. So I think I'm going to lose on this one. But to play the game, I'm going to say uh, the, the favorite domestic airlines. I'm going Southwest. And Jimbo, not even on the board, not even on the board. The number one answer was Delta Airlines. American <laughs> came up. And by the way, it wasn't even close. Fifth, over 50 percent of people polled said Delta Airlines, then American, then United, then JetBlue. That is the food service feud today. All right, Jimbo, take it away. I like it. I like it. Jeff, our crystal ball moment, we get to ask you to put on your uh, Kreskin or Miss Cleo hat and predict the future, the future. Jeff, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology? I think there's going to be a divergence in those who really embrace hospitality and own it and make it unique and remarkable and those that are purely transactional and just serving food items. So I think you're going to see a departure uh, between that. And I think technology will be more rapidly embraced. So the conversation we had earlier, I think technology has always lagged behind in our industry. You know, I go back to even looking at simple point of sale innovations. It wasn't until you know, a number of years ago that we actually went to to cloud-based POS systems. So I think the level of innovation that we have starting to see and that we will see in the next two years will eclipse the the last 30 years combined. 
I think to another point you made, I think that there will be technology that enhances the guest experience and in a way actually trains the guest how to be empowered to improve their experience and and in that process actually improve the labor efficiencies of restaurants. So I think there's an intersection coming very, very rapidly where the guest experience improves, labor goes down, we train the guests how to do our jobs, and they feel empowered and they feel like it's a better experience because they are in control of their dining experience. They're not waiting on a server to come to their table. They're empowered to order that other beverage or to modify something that they had already had sent into the kitchen. I, I think they'll be empowered to make more decisions. Hey, Shatsy, do we agree? Yeah, hey, Shatsy, by the way, in the spirit of your feud game, to Jeff's answer, I was going to say, boom, that was the top answer on the board. Yeah, no question about it. I got to tell you, it kills me when I have discussions with people about restaurants and hospitality and food and beverage, and they say, the food and beverage doesn't matter. It's about speed or how quick I... I'm like, what are you, nuts? I'm like, obviously, I don't want to wait three hours for my burger delivery, but if it's crap, I don't care if I get in three minutes or three hours. If it's crap, I don't want it. And I, I love people like, oh, no one cares about the food as long as they get in 15 minutes. I mean, what are you, crazy? That's not true. <laughs> Expectations have to be met and it has to be good. Uh, anyway, I agree with you 100%. And um, listen, I'm going branded quick fire, Jimmy, because we don't have a lot of time on this podcast left. And let me tell you, you know we can't do a podcast without the number one rated podcast event this is the it's nielsen ratings came out the branded quickfire was the most listened to part of any podcast in the world that is a fact jimmy you check the numbers i don't care who you ask jeff are you ready five questions are you ready i'm ready favorite burger topping another patty (laughs) (laughs) i'll hold those guys up i love it where are you getting dinner from tonight I'm probably going to Torchy's Tacos tonight. Ooh, oh, love, love Torchy's. Love Torchy. That's some good stuff. What's your favorite food city in the world? Oh, it's got to be Mexico City. I agree, man. I got to tell you. Where's your favorite place to travel? Anywhere in the mountains. Love the mountains. All right. If you were to challenge Jimmy or I to a game of Jenga, who do you have better odds of beating? Look at the, Look at how steady my hands are. Yeah, Shotzi, I, I think by your personality and temperament, I think I've a better chance of beating you. Yeah. Why? I look how I look at my hand. Yeah. <laughs> I think it might be the attention deficit disorder. Not that that isn't something we need to really Wait, spend what? more time I and effort on, but I, but I got a high energy level. Yeah, Wait, I think uh, I think you get bored. You'd yank out a, you'd yank out one of those sticks, and I it come crumbling down. I have to I got to agree with Jeff. Um, my batting average remains um, remains very, very high. high. In my very high. Very yeah, high. Yeah, Listen, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. We want to thank you so much um, for being part of the podcast um, and sharing really some great insights, um, not just about uh, your company, uh, but uh, really about what other operators can can learn from you know the agility and 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 kind of the way you you guys adjusted to the uh, the headwinds and really the the carnage that was thrown at you. So appreciate all of that. If you want to get in touch with Jeff directly, uh, please email the podcast team at podcast at brandestrategic.com, and we'd be happy to make the introduction uh, to our listeners. Uh, again, we can't continue to thank you enough for tuning in. Our our subscription base, the clicks, the the the, the, the the embracement of this podcast season eight um, continues to be fabulous and we really do appreciate it. Please join us next week. We're going to welcome our guest, our friend, our partner, Rajet Bakari. 
um, CEO and founder of Incentivio, a white label um, and native delivery platform, guest engagement platform, digital marketing platform. Um, it's really a special company. We can't wait uh, for you to meet the CEO hey, and our Jimbo, friend, Jet. Jimbo, before we go, Jeff, if I want to get a Hop Dotty burger, how do I get one? What do I got to do right now? Well, if uh, if you're anywhere close, one of our 50 locations in the South, uh, I would recommend going in for an in-person dining experience. If not, you can How always do I find out where the stores are? Is it hopdotty.com? Hopdotty.com. It's Everybody a weird name. Hopdotty.com. And when you are down South, you got to stop in one of these stores. Craft beers, great burgers. Ask for Jeff's way. They put another burger on top. That's Jeff style, right? Jeff Chandler's, Chandler's style. Chandler's I got one. I got one. Try this one. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Chandler style. You know Double that might be a new. That might be something that we take and run with. I appreciate that, Jimmy. Take That's it, good. man. Take it. Buy me a buy. Right. Give me a give me a good beer the next time around. We're together. You I'm quality. You know that has you been trademarked it. already. Who's not your who, daddy? Not who's has your daddy? Not who's your daddy? I just trademarked it just now. <laughs> All Once right. Jeff said he liked it, I trademarked it. That's all. That's no, a that's shout to the JIT guy. Jeff, no, sincerely, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate spending time with you. Appreciate doing the podcast. And uh, and keep doing everything you're doing for the industry we love. Um, so this is Jimmy Frishing, your finance guy, signing off, passing it back to my boy Shatsy to close us out. This is Shatsy, a.k.a. the restaurant guy, signing off the hospitality hang you, hangout. Thank you, Jeff from Hop Dottie. This was great. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.